This is a Podcast 225 production. The issues. What's going on now? What's happening in the state? The people. Carl Dabity. We've got Michael Shingle, Taylor Moore, Jay Darden, Congressman Garrett Gray, Richard Condon. He is Ryan Clark, Sharon Weston Broom. The podcast. And we're going to talk about that. This is the Clay Young Show. Up, up, and away we go with episode 211 of the Clay Young Show right here on podcast225.com and on the Apple Podcast app. By the way, if you subscribe to the show on the Apple Podcast app, leave us a rating there and make a comment. Tell people, hopefully, something good about the Clay Young Show and leave us a rating. It certainly does help us with Apple and its prioritization of us among podcasts. Today, it is going to be just us, no guests, talking about a few random topics from OJ to the football season to current events and politics and some thoughts about a former colleague of mine who recently passed away, Guy Brody, going to talk about Brody and uh, my memories of him. Hopefully, you are doing very, very well. Uh, You know, I'll also reference a podcast that's on the way, something we are working on that I think you will really find pretty cool. I don't know about you, but the heat of the summer has been something around this part. Man, it's hot. You know, I don't normally complain about the heat around here. I guess you just, you get used to it and it's like something that you know is going to happen shouldn't come as that much of a surprise to you, but it's been warm. I like to tell people that I used to always think that we had the most oppressive, miserable heat. That was until a couple of years ago when I went to Phoenix. Holy cow. It's like living in an oven. I don't know how people do it. But anyway, like I said, it's just us. So much to get to. So many things to talk about with you. A little football, a little politics, a little business about what's coming to Podcast 225. This will be fun. Podcasts have become a great way to get radio on demand. If you've wanted your own podcast, the time to call us is now. This year, Podcast 225 will be launching new shows and yours can be one of them. You won't have to build your own website and you'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment that will make your show sound amazing. If you'd like to know more, call 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Be a part of the on-demand audio movement today. This is Jeff LaDuff, retired chief of police for the city of Baton Rouge. I'm Kelly LaDuff, co-owner of Open Eyes Safety Training and Consulting. Open Eyes is focused on providing quality safety solutions that give businesses and employees the skill set needed to recognize and react to dangerous situations. On a daily basis, we hear yet another story of workplace violence or active shooter. Open Eyes offers a unique approach to keeping you and your businesses safe through site analysis, technology recommendations, policy review, and employee training. To set up a consultation for your business, call us today at 225-313-9713 or visit us at our website at openeyesafetytraining.com. We say keep open eyes because 10% of our population cause 90% of our problems. See them before they see you. This is The Clay Young Show. Just decided to hit record. See what happens. 
Just you and me today on episode 211 of the Clay Young Show. Man, the summer is almost out of here. Kids are getting back in school. Football season is about to start. This year has been something else, man. You know, it's it's funny because I was having a conversation earlier this week with some uh, some friends about a colleague who passed away a couple of weeks ago. People in the Baton Rouge area will remember Guy Brody. He used to have the Guy Brody radio show here in Baton Rouge, and it was simulcasted in Lafayette. Guy was such a talent. I remember back in, I think, 1998. I'd only been doing radio a couple of years, and I I got to Citywide Communications, the company that Guy was working at. He was on the hip-hop station when I got there, and he was being simulcasted on that station and another station in Lafayette, which was a hip-hop station, too. It was owned by by the same company. And, you know, you, you hear guys, and at that time, a lot of the star stuff you have being on the other side of radio. Now, you know, this predates all the stuff we see in social media and in television now. Radio was pretty cool because it was it was pretty mysterious. It still is, depending on the show. And I'd heard him for a while. So at that time, when you're doing radio, you want to... I guess you want to learn the craft from the perspective of people who do it so well. And I remembered the first time I saw him do his show and a couple of things stood out to me about Guy and the way he went about his business. And that was how professional he was. And even when he was joking and doing bits on the air, there was such symmetry to the way he did things. Now you're talking about a time in radio where Like now it's digital. So radio is digital. What I mean by that is when you hear a record, a a song, (laughs) or if you hear a commercial or some of the transitional sweeps that you hear, you know, like like the, the big voice guy telling you what station it is or announcing what show it is. Digital, today, you push a button on a touch screen or you click a mouse and touch a button and it plays all of the audio. Well, 20 years ago, all of those things were played by either CD or eight track cassette, right? Or, or in some cases with older songs, it was played on wax. So you actually put a record on an old record player, put the needle down and let it go. There was certainly a lot of that at, at KQXL Q106, the urban AC station here in Baton Rouge. And so when you heard a song on the radio, the way it would work back then is you would put a CD into a plastic case and insert it into a CD player called a Denon back then. Some people who've been around radio listening to this podcast recognize what a Denon is. And so you would have, in in the case of those radio stations, either two or three Denons with songs in the inside of them. And then... When you want to, you would hit a, a control board in front of you, kind of like the one in front of me now that just, in, you know, with, with, with some of the audio stuff. And you would hit a button on that and it would start the song, right? And then between songs, there was something called a drop or a sweeper, 
which would be the transition that would say the name of the station and have a sound effect under it, kind of like you hear coming out of the break a second ago on my show. And you would play the song and then hit that transition and then start the, the next song. And you had to do all of that manually. So you would, you know, one, two, three. And so Guy would have a hundred things going on at one time. Now, to the right in the studio, kind of hard to picture unless you've ever been in there, but just say you're sitting kind of at a table or a desk or what you would see as a control board. And to your right was an eight track player and it would have three slots in it. And so that's and that's where the audio from the sweepers or the drops would go. And so you would hit a button to start a song after a song was ending and then play the transition or vice versa. But he would also have a cartridge with like a laugh track. It was one of the only radio shows I think I've ever heard where a guy had a laugh track on radio. And he would, he would, it was a morning show, so he would say something and have a laugh track, kind of like on sitcoms on television where, you know, they've got that recorded laugh audio in the back to kind of enhance or motivate you to laugh at something that they want you to think is funny. That doesn't work as well nowadays as it did maybe 30 years ago, but at least on radio back then, it was kind of fascinating. And so when you're listening to this on the air, it sounds so seamless. Now, from a practitioner's standpoint, somebody who's on the air doing these things and you're watching it, you, you just get a perspective of how good he was, ambidextrous. He was able to do you know, more than one thing at one time with two different hands. And then his approach to being on the air, his mic presence and all of that. And so Guy was, he was funny. And I mean, it, the way that it ended with him and Citadel was, you know, was not so great. It, it was kind of a, it was a confrontational end. And then he ended up leaving and, and actually was able to get back. Heck, Guy sued that company and was able to get back on the air to do a show. And, and he never really did get, did get back to radio in this market and was in Atlanta when he passed away. And I won't go into the details about that. That's, you know, that's not for public consumption. I can just say that, that, that it wasn't anything foul or anything like that. It was just, you know, one of those sad things, but he was, he was a consummate professional and he, and I mean, you got to think about it at that time when I was there, because I was doing talk radio. I, when I got there, I just kind of bounced around at stations and I was doing talk radio because even in college, I just wanted to do, I wanted to do radio and, and be around communications and, and marketing. And I remembered I was doing talk radio and, um, and at my studio, because I was doing, uh, no, I, you know what, at the time, I think I was engineer. I know I was, I was engineering a show on KQXL, which means that it was a piped in satellite show that I was producing here in town, but I would see him come in. And so sometimes I would be there before he got there and you know he, he would always walk in so energetic in the morning I mean he was in the business what we called a morning man now I ended up being a morning man for a long time on radio at WIBR 1300 and then after some time away from radio I went back and did a couple of years here in town at WJBO the heritage news talker in Baton Rouge and I never enjoyed getting up that early in the morning. 
ever. I mean, even after all of those years of doing it, getting up at 315 and then 345 never, ever was easy for me. I mean, you did it. You get up. You didn't complain. You just went in. But when I got to the studio in the morning, especially when I first got to Jabo, I remembered my partner at uh, Jabo, WJBO, was Kevin Meeks. And that first couple of days, I don't think they knew how to take me coming in because I didn't want to talk to anybody. I was like, I just got my coffee. I want to come in, prep a little bit, kind of grunt a few instructions about where we're going to go with topic or subject matter. And then I didn't say anything until the mic came on because once the microphone goes on, you got to be on your game because the people who are listening on the other side of the radio, they don't really care what you're going through or, or how you feel. And it was, it was just never easy, never something that I got used to. But with Guy having worked with him and being on the sh- same shift as him, he never walked in like that. He was always perky. He, was always, he always walked in jokey and ready to, to joke around. And he'd start his show. And I just, you know, it, it, and, and even, you know, Guy had been doing radio for a while. He worked at WGCI in Chicago Gosh, uh, he's from Baltimore. I think his mother did radio in Baltimore and, you know, worked in different stations around the country. And he knew he knew so many people. He used to keep a spiral bound notebook that had numbers for recording artists and producers and people that he could get a hold of if they dropped a new album or something to get him on his show. Just an immense talent. I believe there's a memorial for him here in Baton Rouge on the 25th of August as we record this. And I may give you some information about that coming up. But yeah, it was, it was a loss. I spoke with A.B. Welsh, who used to be the quiet storm guy in the Capital Region. Yes, he was. And we talked, I think last week, about about Brody passing and and how he had just spoke to him. And, you know, man, it just goes to show you how how short life is. And you can't take for granted those relationships that you value. And every time you're around someone who means something to you, you should you know, cherish those moments and, and don't hesitate to reach out to, um, to people who matter. So rest in peace, Brody. So, um, and we, you know, I said in the open that we would... <laughs> Talk just about random subjects that are going on right now. As you know, the football season's about to start, the NFL season, and the college football season. They're both about to begin. And college football, obviously Alabama is just an annual favorite to compete for the national championship. Clemson beat the hell out of Alabama last year. And I think they're probably next to them at the top of the mountain, but this, this year is going to be something LSU here in town is, is, I mean, it's kind of up in the air as to what you can expect from LSU this year. I just know that around these parts, it's, it's kind of funny because everybody like last year, when we talked about, what LSU was going to do before the season started. Most people, most people didn't really think LSU was going to do what it did. 
And after the season was over with, you saw the talent. And Ed Orgeron around here, there are lots of people who don't like the guy because of how he presents. And I don't even understand that. He's a football coach. He's a very smart man. He clearly knows how to recruit. And people still have a problem with him. I don't know what they're going to do this year, but I think LSU's got a chance to nip at a playoff appearance if everything falls into place. If Joe Burrow does his job, that defense is going to be going to be ready because Dave Aranda is an absolute genius on defense. That's the reason LSU's paying him $2.5 million a year. If the running game is going to be good, and like I said, if Burrow does his job, who knows what could happen this year. Now, national championship, not really interested in in getting after that. I mean, I don't know. Just that's a ways, ways off. So I got to a game last year. Last couple of years, I did a sideline game. A year before last, I think it was Arkansas. And then last year, I went to the Alabama game and got to watch that machine in person. And, man, the way Saban is on the sidelines, I mean, he doesn't say very much. Kind of paces with his arms folded. And the only time you really see him get animated is if somebody screws up. And he normally yells at the coaches and gets them to yell at the players. And you catch him. I guess there's a camera following him on the sidelines because on television when you watch, you always see him. Every time you see him, or most of the times you see him, he seems to be animated. But, I mean, when you watch on the sideline, he's cool. He's cool. And... I just don't, I don't know. I think he's going to be motivated this year, excuse me, to, to get back. And maybe losing for him gives him more motivation than, uh, than actually winning. And when he does these press conferences, the, the, like his, he had his, his media day a week or so ago talking about the upcoming season and what you can expect from Alabama this year. And he seems to use the media to get the word out to his team about how he feels about something. And then on the pro football level, as many of you know, I am a diehard 49er fan. And I'm not going to start with the 49ers. Let's, let's, I'll, I'll come. No, yeah, you know what's my show? I will start with the 49ers. I'm hoping we can get to the playoffs this year. Get 10 wins. That would be great. Jimmy Garoppolo is back. Everybody criticizes Garoppolo and they say, what has he done? And my response to that is in the NFL, he started 10 games. He's finished nine of them. But of his 10 starts, he's won eight games. I don't know about you, but that says that the guy at least wins the games that he's in. Would I put him in some great or elite category yet? No, not after 10 games. But if, if the coach, who I don't have a ton of confidence in, Kyle Shanahan, he's got this slick offense, and people call him an offensive guru. But as a fan of the team and as someone who watches their games, I ain't seeing it yet. So maybe we'll see it this year. The defensive coordinator, man, he might be one of the worst I've seen. I'm hoping that this year will be a little bit better. Last year, as a fan of that team, the defense wasn't great, but it wasn't horrible. The most glaring weakness was one of the cornerback positions, and he couldn't protect it the whole year. So we'll see what happens this year. As it relates to the Saints in New Orleans, I was talking to a buddy of mine, Jason Ramazan, about that. He's a diehard Saints fan. And I said to him, man, 
this is, as a fan of a team, the most nervous time you can have because it's it's anxiety <laughs> at its peak, and here's why. After the last couple of years, really the only thing you can do this year to, to say you've accomplished something is get to the Super Bowl. And I think the Saints are in the best position in the NFC to do that. They've got a great defense. They've got an all-time great quarterback. They've got a really, really good wide receiver. They've got a special, special talent at running back. I got a chance to see him up close and personal at practice last year. I, I got to go to a practice. A buddy of mine from Dallas was in New Orleans with Deion Sanders, and I got a chance to go down there with them. Uh, Prime bought some kids from a school in Texas and Dallas. Uh, 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 I think it's a high school that is, is his private school that his son goes to, and he was bringing them through the Gulf South. They were stopping by the Saints practice, and then they were going to Tuscaloosa to watch Alabama, and then from there they were going to Florida State, and so we were able to, to watch the Saints practice because we were all down there together. And the speed on that field, and I told, I referenced my buddy Jason, I told him last year, I said, I think the Saints could get to the Super Bowl. They were that good. And then, of course, and then Sean Payton was talking about Tampa. They were going to play Tampa, and he was really chesty about that. And they went out, and Tampa put it on them, which was, in sports parlance, sometimes the best thing to happen to you is to get hit in the mouth. It keeps you from losing focus for the rest of whatever competition you're in, and Figuratively speaking, in most cases, hit in the mouth. But in football, it might just happen. And so the Saints last year did not get to the Super Bowl on a really bad play. Now, again, I'm a Niner fan. I got a lot of family and friends who are Saints fans. And I don't think if you are watching that game last year, regardless of what team you root for, with the exception of maybe the Rams, that you can argue that that was a horrible missed call by the NFL, it feeds the narrative that the NFL positions teams to do well, even though I don't know that I believe that, but it feeds that narrative, and the Saints got robbed last year. Well, last year is gone, so what do you do this year? And after blowing a game in Minnesota because of a missed tackle at the end of the game, and then admittedly getting robbed at the end of last year's NFC Championship game, but still now, having said that they got robbed by that play, the Saints still had overtime with an opportunity to win the game. Now, granted, if that call doesn't happen, they at minimum kick a field, a field goal and, and likely win the game or even score a touchdown maybe. So, you know, you could say, well, yeah, but if, if that call doesn't happen, we probably win the game. But still, you had a chance after that to do something you didn't. Well, that's all gone now. What do you do this year? What do you do this year? And we'll see. And then out in Oakland, what a mess. If you're a fan of a team, would you want Antonio Brown on your team? I wouldn't. First of all, dude, after a playoff game, was in the locker room, FaceTime living or Instagram living in the locker room as the coach of the team, is addressing his team after a playoff win and is talking about the game that was coming up 
against the Patriots, and he put that out. Now, the coach didn't know that he was being streamed live on the Internet, and it was pretty selfish. And it's just like I don't get what that is with receivers. It's like what mentally is happening through the process of a kid in Pop Warner and junior high and high school and college when you play receiver to be more more likely to be of a mindset to do stupid stuff like that. And so last year he got out of Pittsburgh because of the nature of whatever was going on with their relationship. And over the course of the summer, dude dyed his mustache blonde. And if you don't watch football, he's not white. And so he dyed it, he's black. And he dyed his mustache blonde. And it's like, this is a freak show. And then, of course, recently with all the stuff with his helmet and having cryo treatment on his feet and burned off the bottom of his feet and just it's just a dumpster fire that I'm glad is not on my team and if you're not a Raider fan I'm pretty sure you're glad he's not on yours the standard bearer of of course in the NFL is Tom Brady six Super Bowls as a fan of football all my life I never thought I'd see a better quarterback come along than Joe Montana. Now, you may say I'm biased, but most people, even non-Niner fans, would agree that before the last few years, Joe Montana was considered to be the greatest who had ever done it. Four Super Bowl appearances, four Super Bowl wins, never threw an interception in the Super Bowl. Just an outright genius, a magician, a maestro at quarterback. And then comes Tom Brady, who in the last 18 years has been in nine Super Bowls and won six of them. (laughs) He's been in the last three Super Bowls and won two out of three. And, and the game that he lost, they were driving with a chance to go down and take the lead when he had a strip sack fumble, and Philadelphia wins the game. I don't think you can argue. And this dude is 42 years old. He was 41 last year in the Super Bowl and won. Well, I don't think he won MVP. I think the, the little receiver won MVP. And he's 42, attempting to do something no one else has done. Let me tell you something, folks. He's already crossed that bridge. Starting all 16 games at 42 years old is a feat, I guess. But the fact that at 41, he was in and won a Super Bowl and is starting the season with them being Super Bowl contenders and in some cases the favorite at 42 years old, he's already passed the, the feat of proving what he can do at that age. And he wants to play until he's 45. <laughs> and I don't doubt him. And so in the coming weeks, we'll do a season prediction show. I'll see about getting Matt Moscona in here like we did last year to talk about that. Maybe Richard Condon as well to talk about what's going to happen in the NFL with the Tigers and, of course, my beloved Southern Jaguars here in Baton Rouge who have been really steady under Coach Dawson Odom. And he's, he is as solid as they come. You got to go back to when Pete Richardson was there so many years ago at Southern to find a coach who is as steady and as good of a recruiter as he is. 
and his boys are graduating. And for the most part, you don't ever hear anything negative about players at that university doing poorly. And of course, coming up this year, as always, one of the biggest things that people look forward to is the Bayou Classic down in New Orleans between Southern and Grambling, which I'm always biased. I'm always hoping to hang 50 on Grambling and maybe only give up no points. That would always be a goal. Doesn't always happen that way, but excited about the season on the bluff and what will happen there. And, uh, you know, I mentioned Condon and Moscona, maybe Jacques Doucet. I talked to Jacques, uh, Jacques yesterday about something. So football is on the way. I'm looking forward to football weather when it's not over 100 degrees outside and you can sit out and enjoy the game. It's just going to be an interesting season. So many things going on. And July is such a crazy, crazy month. I mean, there's not much happening in July. So if anything crazy pops up in the news, it will make the news in, uh, in, you know, around the, the country and especially here. And so, man. And then on a regular news front, oh, man, where to begin? Uh, just the politics nationally. It's just, it, it's sad to see what's happening in Washington. And then this mystery with <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein. Most of you have seen that in the news. And he, of course, had been accused of being a sexual predator and being involved in all kinds of nasty, nasty stuff. And last week, as we record this, here is someone who had information possibly on some high-profile people in business, entertainment, and in politics. The guy was a multimillionaire and was apparently on the verge of maybe naming some names. And then he commits suicide in his jail cell. Now, there's lots of rumors floating around as to what happened to him. But the fact that this 66-year-old guy, who I said a second ago is a multimillionaire, hanged himself in his cell at the uh, Metropolitan Correctional Center, is interesting. And everybody is saying, hmm, sounds fishy right before you start to name, you're going to name names in your child sex trafficking ring. You decided to hang yourself. It's kind of like that DC madam before she was about to drop a bunch of other names, decided to commit suicide herself. Very convenient for people who might have their names dropped along the way. I'm going to be interested in seeing how much information comes out about that as time goes on. And then, you know, it's election season around around here in Louisiana, and I'll be talking to over the next several weeks, some of the people who are candidates for office, many of whom are friends of mine, about their plans for the various offices that they are running for. The governor's race in Louisiana has been interesting. Governor John Bell Edwards is about to wrap up his first term as governor and is seeking re-election here in Louisiana. And he's against a few challengers, primarily Among them, uh, 
Ralph Abraham, who is a congressman from basically the northern middle middle part of the state, and Eddie Rasponi, a businessman from Baton Rouge. I know Eddie Rasponi personally. He's a pretty nice man. He's he's been accomplished as a businessman, but his television ads are some of the worst things I've ever seen. Oh my God. They are horrible. And I saw an ad for Congressman Abraham yesterday, and it's horrible. I don't even know that. I don't know if people are going for a theatrical approach or what. And then meanwhile, Governor John Bell Edwards is taking a a fairly workman-like approach to his media using, he's not trying to be cute. I always say in my business when it comes to creating messaging or doing television or radio for a client, I have a saying and it goes like this, cute is best left to babies and puppies. As it relates to messaging, keep it simple, keep it clear, make sure people understand what you're trying to say. And that's it. Hey, what's what's better than a cute baby or a cute puppy? And cute hardly, you know, sometimes it works. Sometimes you can pull it off. But, man, that's a thin line between cute and stupid. And when you miss, they don't call you cute. So the governor's race will be interesting. I think Governor Edwards has to try to win without a runoff. Because if he gets into a runoff, likely with Ralph Abraham, who is the lead Republican candidate in the race, it's going to be tough for him. And if President Trump comes down here to put his arm around whomever the Republican candidate is going to be, as I say, likely Ralph Abraham, it's going to make it tough for Governor Edwards in a state that is so red. And he is the only statewide elected Democrat, both U.S. senators are Republican, and every other statewide elected office is held by a Republican. And four years ago, were it not for David Vitter being the standard bearer for the Republican Party, I think that Governor Edwards may not have won because I do believe at the time Lieutenant Governor Jay Darden or a public service commissioner, actually uh, Scott Angel, I don't think was in the Public Service Commission, but I think either one of them might have had a better shot of getting into that office. But here's a couple things that you can't argue that Governor Edwards is saying that he came into office with a, with a, with a deficit and there is a surplus and he's using the positives to his advantage. Now, some would say from the business community standpoint that things are not as good as they ought to be. It's going to be tough to carry that message forward when the messaging by <clears throat> the Republicans who are the standard bearers or like, like, for instance, Eddie Rasponi's first ad spent a whole lot of time talking about how he stands with President Trump. And my thought about that was, dude, you're a Republican in Louisiana. Tell me something I don't know. If Obviously, if you're a Republican in Louisiana, more likely than not, if you're running for office, you're going to say you stand with the Republican president of the United States. What else do you stand for? And as I said to you, here's a businessman who has done well for himself in his life. And, you know, I happen to know this about him. He's done some some great things for communities, specifically education as it relates to any inner city children. 
But you don't know that about him. And for goodness sakes, Republicans talking about drug testing for welfare recipients. Does that ever work? (laughs) And what I mean by that is, does that kind of legislation ever, ever succeed? And does it ever do anything but cause a debate about the context of what you're saying? Obviously, anyone with common sense can't stand around and say that you're okay with people lying to get government assistance because that money's got to come from somewhere. But to choose the most extreme examples of egregious behavior to make a point as to why you need legislation, I just, it never really works. We had a representative in Louisiana who proposed that a few years ago and all it did was cause debates, but it didn't go anywhere. I just think you talk about real ideas. How can businesses be made um, more able to succeed by the nature of their hard work by how you will govern? How will you manage the tax dollars that you take from the people that you govern? How can you make certain that services run at a premium without having to arbitrarily and, and, crazily raise taxes all over the place i mean i don't know maybe that's just me maybe it's just me but it's going to be an interesting thing and we'll talk about that i'll see if i get in, see about getting john cuvey on and uh, dr albert sam on to talk about the political season ahead and then finally i am working with some people on a new podcast that's coming to podcast 225.com. It is, in my opinion, unlike anything you've ever heard, at least in this Gulf South region, as it relates to podcasting. The concept of the show is complete. The first two episodes and the content of those episodes are in the kitchen and the ingredients are about to be put together. And there will be an announcement about this podcast. And I am excited for you to hear about it and anxious to get your feedback on what this show will be. So that's coming really soon. The Waiting Room podcast is about to go on hiatus. And I'm talking to Chief LaDuff. They've been moving around so much about the Generations podcast with he and his son Kelly and suspect that's going to be coming back. And obviously the We Be Our podcast has shows going on and there, there are many more scheduled. As fact, in fact, I got a, an email about that. So that's still moving and grooving, as they say. We appreciate you listen, listening to this show. 211 episodes in. Man, thank you all for being a part of that. And I do this about once a year. Sit down with you, just us. And talk about various subjects on my mind. And I just kind of like to do it. It takes me back to my old radio days when you just uh, prepped and sat and talked to the audience. You didn't necessarily need phones. You didn't need guests. You just had dialogue with the people listening. And I just wanted to do that, especially as we move into this last part of the year. So don't forget that uh, this show is coming up and... 
you know, and in fact, I'll just, we'll just, we won't break. We'll just do it now. Don't forget, you can find me on Twitter at Clay Young BR, on the gram, Clay underscore Young BR, and on Facebook forward slash Clay Young. Appreciate all the feedback we got about the show with Tom Lang. Detective Lang is a great storyteller, and I referenced on that last show that we will be doing a follow-up with you being able to ask questions of Detective Lang, and one of the things that I'm doing, and why we're not doing it this week, is I'm trying to get closer to uh, some of the things that happened in the in the court case. I, obviously, as you know, next year will mark the 25th anniversary of the verdict. And we're going to be putting some questions out, some feelers out on social media for you to write questions for him. And I will ask him here on the show. So thanks for being with me on episode 211 of the Clay Young Show here on podcast225.com. Hopefully you are enjoying your day wherever you are. And we'll catch you next week as our guest will be Brian Dykes restaurant owner, and this guy is a genius as it relates to food and libations, and he's got a new restaurant coming to Baton Rouge that's just now opening, and I really look forward to having him on. And I'm going to throw some things at him like pairings, and he'll give you some ideas if you're having dinner parties or if you're doing a family function or if you just want to know about pairing uh, a nice meal with a nice glass of wine or some other cocktail how to do that so brian dykes will be our guest on the next episode of the clay young show thanks for listening join us next week for another edition of the clay young show